This program is brought to you by the Living Church Boise. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. Um, you ready for the word? I am sort of ready. Uh, I've been dreading uh, getting to the, these, these three weeks, last week, this week, and next week. Uh, we're going through a, a series called Essential Joy. Um, and, and in the, the larger series of Essential Joy, we're going through a mini-series um, called Spiritual Transformation. Just a three-week, uh, when I was looking at the passage in, in the book of Philippians, we're going through the book of Philippians, a series called Essential Joy, and, um, and, and I, I figured that instead of putting this whole thing into one sermon, into one message, and having you guys sit for four hours, I was going to break it into, into three weeks. And um, so first week we spoke about, uh, last week we spoke about intro, in spiritual transformation. We spoke about the barriers for spiritual transformation. If you missed it, um, I urge you to get the app, listen to the message, the barriers for spiritual transformation. And oftentimes, please pay attention, oftentimes we think that our barriers for spiritual transformation is our sin. But the, barriers, the true barrier to spiritual transformation is self-righteousness. Because sin will tell you you need a savior. <laughs> and, and you're, boom, you're ready. You're ready for grace. But, but self-righteousness will say, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm okay. And it keeps you from the true spiritual transformation. I use a picture of, of, a, of a caterpillar and a butterfly. A caterpillar is crusty, it's nasty, it's disgusting, and, and you want to squash it uh, with your shoes and not just barefoot. But, but then a butterfly, you want to watch it, you want to get it tattooed, and you want it as a screensaver on your phone. You know, uh, but, but every butterfly was once a crusty old caterpillar. But what happened was there was a metamorphosis. There was a transformation. There was a change. There was a shift. And we as human beings, we have an opportunity not to live as a caterpillar, but to spread our wings and fly and to have majesty and beauty. Not because of who you are, because the transformation that God brings in your life. And today, we're going to be talking about the business of spiritual transformation. Not just the barriers. We spoke about the barriers, and hopefully you've been dealing with it. And today, as we talk about the, the business, I'm telling you, it is, it's hard. It's tough. Because spiritual transformation does not come by you sitting cross-legged for three days and fasting. If that was the case, man, hey, let's go do it. But spiritual transformation comes with humility. It's, it's work. It's hard. You got to count everything as a loss, and we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but if you were to, um, if you were a person that bought a lottery ticket for, uh, let's say, three hundred and fifty million dollars, okay, I got your attention now. You're like, all right, money, let's go. Okay. Uh, if you bought a lottery ticket for three hundred and fifty million dollars, and and something happened between the time you bought the ticket to when the results uh, came out, something happened to you, and and, and results come out, and and it sh it shows that your ticket actually won the $350 million, you're like, whoa, great, right? And so they come knocking on your door and they're like, hey, sir, you're the winner of $350 million. All we need to do is see the ticket and you got it. And you are standing there and you are scratching, I don't know, you know, whatever you like to scratch. And you say, you know what? You know what? I'm really not interested. I actually found something better than $350 million. And you close the door on them. There are two things that will happen. One, they will think you're a lunatic. They'll think you lost your marbles, you've lost your mind. And the whole world will want to know, what did this crazy man have that was worth more than $350 million? What did this man have that was so much bigger than three? What was this treasure that he found? What did he find? Please pay attention. In a way, if you say that you're a believer, in a way, your world, your friends around you wonder, how is it that you're able to say no 
to the things that the world treasures for you to come to church why do you go to church you go to church what a waste of time what are you reading the bible why why aren't you sleeping around why don't you take a shot at this man why aren't you getting drunk on weekends hey man that girl's really into you why aren't you going through with it the world wants to know what is this treasure you found that's worth more than 350 million dollars that the world is offering you and really and really what you found is spiritual transformation what you found is Jesus who transformed your life what you found is someone that's worth more than anything that the world can give and the world cannot take it away Jesus says in the book of Matthew about a man who finds a treasure in Matthew chapter 13 verse 44 he says the kingdom of heaven is like hidden treasure like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up and then in his joy he goes and sells what his old car no all that he has and he buys the field he sells all that he has and he buys the field the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field that a man found and his joy he sells all that he has spiritual transformation would not make any sense to you and you wouldn't ever experience it until you come to this beautiful conclusion that everything else is loss and the transformation that Jesus bring is gain everything else is loss and the transformation that i need to experience from Jesus is what i really i'm created for and i need to live for paul <laughs> paul found a treasure man the apostle paul not not your buddy at work paul uh maybe maybe he needs to find Jesus so invite him to church but Paul found a treasure in Acts chapter 9 he's in the road to Damascus and he encounters Jesus and uh in Acts chapter 9 we see what happens on the external and in Philippians chapter 3 we see what was in the treasure chest we're talking about spiritual transformation this morning and the business of spiritual transformation the trading that needs to happen for your life to really be transformed there's a business transaction that needs to happen this morning and each and every one of you are invited to invest into the kingdom of God not by passing or offering baskets around but by taking inventory of your life and coming clean before God you see i love it because when i look into the treasure chest as paul opens it up and shares what he found that was a treasure that was worth more than 350 billion dollars i said million earlier now it's billion okay <laughs> it's challenging because I see that there are things in my life that actually count more interesting than Jesus. And and I'm sure that you do too. And I really want this morning to be a morning where we find the real treasure and we're willing to put everything aside for the real treasure. You excited for that? Yes. The first thing that we see that Paul says in verse 8 we'll pick up Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 he says indeed indeed that's a interesting word let me give you a little running start it's not going to be up on the screen but verse 7 before verse 8 that's the way it works apparently it says but whatever gain i had i counted as loss for the sake of christ whatever gain i had i counted as loss for the sake of christ that's what we ended last week and then he says indeed and that word is actually kind of crazy it's a little misleading okay because um in greek there's actually three words mentioned over there and people English translators probably would have thought it just wouldn't make sense if he actually literally translated so they just put indeed and some of your bible translators would say therefore or certainly and the three words over there if you actually were to read it would say 
Certainly, on the contrary, surely, therefore, more than that. Paul is really saying, hey, listen, man, there was something crazy that happened. Certainly, more than that, surely, absolutely. And then the people said, don't call me surely, right? But indeed, more than that, what is more, I count everything as lost. The language of what they have lost is, oh, is a business language of loss and gain. If you're a business guy, in the end of the year, you would look at, okay, this was loss and this was gain. He says, in the loss column, we saw that last week, the barriers to spiritual transformation, my, my, my being, being born an Israelite, being born in the tribe of Benjamin, being a Jew, circumcised on the eighth day, uh, being a Pharisee, my, my, my ordination, my education, my zeal, all of that was lost. I put it in the loss game, and he's not saying, that was good and I found something better. Pay attention. He didn't say, that was good, I found something better. He says, that was useless, that was lost to me. Why, Paul? Why was that lost? Because of the surpassing worth the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Number one question I want to ask you. Three questions that I'm going to ask you this morning as we unpack three verses. First question, do you consider knowing Jesus as a treasure? Yes. Do you consider knowing Jesus as a treasure? Do you consider, you know, this, this wanting to, to grow in knowledge of him as a treasure? Paul says that everything else was, was lost for me. Everything else was in the lost column. It was actually depleting my joy. It wasn't giving me the essential joy. It was taking me away from God and not drawing me closer to God. It was a loss. It was working contrary and against me. It was a loss. But the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord was a treasure. Listen to me very carefully. Religion will get you familiar with a checklist. But it will never get you into relationship with God. Religion will introduce you to shame, but Jesus will introduce himself to you. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He will introduce you, he will introduce you to himself, and he will heal you of your shame. Religion can never do that. Do you consider knowing Jesus as a treasure? Religion will build pride in your achievements. Because you hit the checklist, it'll build pride in your achievements, and that pride in achievements is a death trap. You know why? Because you will fail. And when you fail, you cannot pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You need a savior. And religion will actually teach you to hate grace. Religion will teach you to, to work yourself to grace, and that's opposite of what grace really is. Religion will tell you to, to bring your good works to the table. And Paul says all of that was lost. It was working against the grace of God. I count everything as lost because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. This is so beautiful, isn't it? In this treasure chest, in Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus, Paul sees an invitation to know Christ Jesus, his Lord, for him to become a personal savior. Verse 10, he says, that I may know him, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You know, Christian life is not just about knowing a lot about Jesus. You knew that, right? Okay, I'll say it again because you already know it, because we really need to know this, because we talk about knowing God. It's not just about knowing God. It's not just knowing a lot about Jesus. It's not just knowing a lot, lot about what the 66 books in the Bible has to say. It's not just knowing a lot about theology. There are a lot of people who can rattle off about God, but they don't really have a relationship with him. They don't know God. And Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You see, God promised that in the new covenant, the law of God will be written on our hearts, and we will know God. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 34 says, And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. From the youngest to the oldest, 
They will know me. I will write my laws in their heart and they will know me. For I will forgive their sins, their iniquities, their wrongdoings, and I will remember their sins no more. What a beautiful, what a beautiful prophecy that's come through in Emmanuel and Jesus Christ. I will write my laws on their heart. I will give them a clean conscience. And I will give them the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John chapter 17, he says, man, it's good that I leave because if I'm with you, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one person over here, but when I leave, I will send you the comforter. He's been with you, but then he will be in you. And he will guide you in all ways. And over here, the prophet Jeremiah, he's writing about that new covenant. They shall all know me. The book of Joel says, in the last days, he will pour the spirit on who? All flesh, male and female. You know, from the least to the oldest, he will pour the spirit in all flesh. Not just that, in the new covenant, God said that he will write his laws in our heart and that we will know him. He also requires us to know him more than your sacrifices. He requires knowing him more than you bringing your burnt offerings to God. Look at this. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6 is for a desire, steadfast love and not sacrifice. A desire steadfast. That sounds like New Testament gospel, isn't it? If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Don't bring me your sacrifices when you don't love me. Don't just do lip service. He says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And this knowledge is not just like a book smart knowledge, and we'll get to that. But he's saying that needs to be an intimate relationship. Look at this in the, in the same book in Hosea chapter 4, verse 1. Over here, Hosea, he equates knowing God with faithfulness and love towards God. He says, hear the words of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. He's saying, listen, there's no knowledge of God and because of that, there's no faithfulness, there's no love towards God. We're living in a so-called Christian country. Every time I evangelize and I share the gospel, people know the parables. People know the gospel. People can share the gospel better than I do. It's really sad when people know God but don't know God. When people have a cerebral knowledge of God but don't have an intimate relationship with God. And it's quite possible that you're sitting over here and you know everything that I'm going to preach right here this morning and you know that you know, th there's people who have a head knowledge and there are people who have an experiential knowledge there are people who have an intimacy with God and you know that but you only know it, you've not really known it, you have not really experienced it. And treasuring Christ is something that you know you're supposed to say yes to, but you really don't treasure Him. Join us this Sunday at the Living Church Boise. Service and address can be found on our website, www.thelivingchurchboise.com. Visit our website for service time and address.